episode 64 of Glass of Joe. I'm PJ Glasser, joined as always by Joe Malfa. Joe, we have a sports equinox among us, right? We got football going on. We got hockey, basketball, baseball, golf's going on, tennis. Everything's going on. It's a lot of fun. Um, But it is the month of October. So, of course, we start with baseball, ALCS, NLCS, both still going on. Both series have reached a game six. Um, Let me ask you, between the Red Sox or the Dodgers, which team do you like the better chance to force a game seven? And then which team do you like has do you think has the better chance to win the series? I would say to force a game seven, both. I think both go seven. Um, I, I like it the way it sets up with the Evaldi on the mound uh, for the Red Sox. And I don't know if actually if the Astros announced the story yet, but either way, I, I like the Red Sox to bounce back and win one at least in game six. Uh, and then Luis Garcia pitching for Houston. Okay. Um, and then uh, you've got Scherzer on the mound for the Dodgers. So I like both to force a game seven. Uh, I think the the off day followed by you know traveling to Houston was a big boost here for the Red Sox because the way those last couple of games in Boston went after the blown strikeout call uh, when Evaldi should have had the, the K to end the inning and then going down uh, to lose whatever it was nine two after that. I think they needed a day to catch their breath. They were the better of the two teams the first couple of games of the series. They were just raking against the Astros, so I think they could get back to that at least for Game Six. I do think both force a game seven. I do think if I had to pick one to win a game seven, it would be the Dodgers. I can't see the Red Sox winning a seventh. I think they've just kind of thrown everything they've got pitching wise at the Astros now, and they're going to be running on fumes in a game seven. Whereas the Dodgers, uh, they probably throw Bueller in game seven. And we know what Bueller's done so far in, in all the biggest games he's pitched in. It's, He's not called Big Game Bueller for nothing. We know that now. So uh, I, I think both force a game seven. I think the Dodgers do win the series and make it back-to-back years if they come back from down three to one against the Braves. And then I think the Astros end up taking it in the seventh game. So we get the Dodgers-Astros series. I think we were waiting for and wanted uh, after what we saw, like I said, last week in the regular season when the Astros went to L.A. and the trash cans on the field were being thrown by the fans. So it'll be a fun series. That's how I think it plays out. What what about you? Well, I think if it's Dodgers Astros, that Joe Kelly's neck won't be so tight anymore. (laughs) I think, uh, I think he'll be ready to go for that series. It's tough, Joe. I think both of these series, I think the Red Sox and the Braves have to feel like they have missed their opportunities. The Red Sox were up two to one in that series. They got to Granky early. They got into the bullpen for Houston in game four. But the Astros just kept it close, and then they found a way to win that one, and then they blew them out in game five. On the flip side, the Braves probably should feel like the series over. You had a 5-2 lead going into the eighth inning. You could have gone up 3-0 in the series and won it, and uh, Dodgers come back, and now they go back to Atlanta for a chance, like you said, to come back 3-1. I agree with you. I actually think both of these series go to seven games. The Red Sox-Astros series is crazy. There's only been one close game in the series. Every other game's been – blowouts so the Red Sox lineup I think is good enough to get them tonight's game like you said of all these on the mound that's the guy that they want and then I think we're set up for a great game seven Dodgers Braves same thing um the Dodgers as we know they're the most talented team in baseball what the Braves have done without Acuna is pretty incredible 
Um, Atlanta will be rocking, but the Dodgers experience in the postseason, I just think we're set up for two game sevens. Um, but, you know, I think, I think the Braves are going to win just losing three, one, two straight years in a row. That's, that's tough. So I think the Braves win in seven and then I think the Astros win in seven. So I think we'll get Atlanta Houston, although Dodgers and, uh, and Houston will be a lot more tasty. Yeah, look, if the Braves make it, it's a remarkable story. I mean, they didn't get over 500 until August the 6th this year, and everybody kind of left them for dead. Um, they had all the injuries. They were left for dead for good reason. They weren't playing well even before the players got hurt, and then the players did get hurt. And then they still made a splash to the deadline, brought some guys in, and look where they are now. So I think it's just a different feel, too. Like last year, I feel like even when the Braves were up 3-1, there was real never any panic. Like, you're like, all right, the Dodgers are a game away from elimination, but it was always like, you can just see them finding a way to get that to seven. The Braves have really outplayed them in the series. They deserve right. to win. Now, that might not necessarily mean that they do, but I think that they get it done this year, and uh, I think they go to the World Series. So we will see what happens. It is Atlanta sports, though, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> those people feel don't feel safe with any kind of lead. College football now, Joe. And uh, last week, big shakeup in the rankings. Big time. Cincinnati, I think, is still celebrating from what happened in, uh, in Iowa City with Iowa going down. I think two things still need to happen for Cincinnati fans to feel like they are for sure a lock. I don't think they're quite locked in yet. I think the first thing is that they either need Georgia to win out or Bama to lose another game. They need one SEC team to get in. And then the second thing is I think they need Oregon to lose again. Oregon's win against Ohio State is so big for Oregon and the Pac-12, especially the fact they won out at Ohio State without Thibodeau. I mean, that's probably the best win that any team has had this season in college football besides Purdue beating Iowa. Um, so that'll loom large. So you get a Oregon out there and you get the, out of there, and then there's no Pac-12 teams left. I think Cincinnati should feel good about themselves because then whether it's Oklahoma or Oklahoma state out of the big 12 and then whoever comes out of the big 10, there would be nobody left for the committee to put in if Bama's out and if Oregon's out. So I think Cincinnati still needs those two things to happen, but this is the closest by far we've ever gotten to a group of five team. They have a legit shot. They got to win out, take care of their business. And I think I think they'll be all right because I don't think George is losing anybody. And we've talked about it with Oregon. Um, you know, that's the kind of team that they're going to lose on a Thursday night in Corvallis Absolutely. or something like that. So I think Cincinnati's in a good spot, and uh, they they should make the playoff. Absolutely, I think they're in. Look, it could not be a better spot for them now. They've done everything that's been asked of them. They went on the road. They beat other Power Five teams. Their schedule the rest of the way is light. Um, they do have that game against SMU to, to give one last good impression against a quality opponent. But then it just comes down to the fact again, that I don't, all the things that you mentioned, I don't see that worst case scenario happening. It, it's, it would take too much Bama. We've seen some cracks, whether it's to Georgia or somebody else that we don't expect along the way, like what happened with Texas A&M, mm -hmm. they're going to drop one more. Even Paul Feinbaum said that, which stunned me last week. I mean, Paul Feinbaum is Mr. Alabama, and uh, I mean, look, he, I mean, he, they're not. They're, you can just tell they got a lot of holes this year. Yeah, so. yeah. So and whether it's somebody else or it's to Georgia in the title game, they'll get a second loss. Um, and then again, to your point, 
I think the writing's on the wall that Oregon will lose again somewhere. That's just how Pac-12 football goes. Um, and so at that point right there, as long as since he takes care of business, there's no way they don't get it. Uh, the Big Ten, there's still a lot there. Iowa losing help, but you still have an undefeated Michigan. You still have Michigan State there. You still have Ohio State there. But all those teams play each other. Uh, so someone is going to come out of that with only one loss probably. Uh, but there's a good chance they all end up on two some way, somehow. So I think since you have to like their chances now and at this stage of the game, the pool of teams that can possibly make it is dwindling very quickly. Uh, I think with the loss, Iowa's probably done unless they run the table and beat Ohio State in the title game and get some help themselves. Oklahoma is is in a good way right now and, and seems like the switch to Caleb Williams is going to be Big time paying off for them as the season goes along. But uh, in the top 10 right now, sure, all the teams in that top 10 are alive. But again, they all cannibalize each other. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, one of those is going to lose. They're probably going to, they might play each other a second time in the Big 12 title game just because of the way the Big 12 does it, where it's just first and second. Uh, they play each other in the title game. So if it's a one loss Oklahoma or Oklahoma State team, against an undefeated Oklahoma or Oklahoma State team. They might play each other in back-to-back -back weeks. Um, so that could be interesting if they if they each get a win against each other. How does the committee view that? Mm -hmm. um, again, Michigan and Ohio State will play each other, Michigan and Penn State. Uh, Ohio State and Penn State is next week. Uh, Michigan State has to still play all those teams as well. So they're five, six, seven, and nine, but almost – I mean, you have to say probably at least two of those teams are getting two losses. So the way it is right now, the realistic field of teams that can make the top four, it's probably down to Georgia, Cincy, one of the Oklahoma teams. I lump them together as three. Alabama, four. And then you could probably, again, same thing with the Big Ten teams. There's four there, but it's going to get played down to one. So of those five, you will have your four. And I don't think I mean, actually, like I said, Oregon's there too, but I think they're going to lose. And Iowa's out of the mix, probably. Ole Miss, probably not going to happen. Notre Dame, probably not going to happen. Uh, Coastal Carolina got a loss the other day. So it's really those five groups for those four, uh, four spots now. So it's really starting to take shape. And the slate this week is really interesting because you have four unranked teams that are favored against ranked teams uh oklahoma state number eight in the country they're a touchdown underdog at iowa state oregon's one point underdog at ucla san diego state number 22 in the country they're three and a half point dogs to air force and then wisconsin is favored over purdue by three and a half so of those four games joe if you had to pick a ranked team who's an underdog to win who would you take Purdue. I think that it's, it's coming off of a big win coming home. It's emotional, but we've seen from Wisconsin this year, they're not good. And I think there's still this perception about Wisconsin that they could turn it on at any moment, but we thought they were going to turn it on this past week against army and they only won by six. Um, so it's, it's at the point now where Wisconsin is not a good team. They're average at best. I don't think too highly of Purdue, but they've quietly strung a few wins along and obviously had a big win against Iowa um, so I, I would say them at home, considering the way that, that, that we've seen, uh, Wisconsin come out and Wisconsin struggle against almost everybody. I would say they have the best chance to win outright. I do like Oklahoma state 
to keep that game close. I, I, I was stunned to see that it was over a touchdown, the number. That's um, wild. They, they were six-point dogs, whatever it was, against Texas on the road last week and beaten by eight. I think the reverse of how the public views Wisconsin, where they could turn it on at any moment, I think there's a perception of Oklahoma State where they're going to fade at any moment, but they continue to not fade and show that they are a very complete team and that their defense is stellar, which you don't see a lot of in the Big 12. And that alone is helping them get by because you've got these Big 12 teams that they're playing going from week to week against soft defenses, and then they go up against Oklahoma State all of a sudden it's a shock of the system. Like, oh, wow, this is, this is a Big 12 game that's not going to be 47 to 38. We actually have to play football here. Um, so I, I don't know if they'll win outright because I do like Iowa State. They're a well-coached team with Coach Campbell. Uh, but I, I'm we'll seeing best bets. I'm very confident in Oklahoma State at least covering the seven and a half. So um, th- those are a little surprising that to see those spreads the way they were. If I had to pick one, I'd take Oregon. I'll get to that later in best bets. That's what we in the business call a tease. But uh, <laughs> the Ducks would be a team I would lean towards. Before we go to the NFL, Joe, the other big news in college this week was LSU. Not surprising, really. The coach O is going to be gone at the end of the year. One of the better jobs in the country. Obviously, it will be a very sought-after position. Do you have, like, two or three candidates who you think – that uh, you could see taking the job? You know Urban Meyer's name is going to get floated out there. Mm-hmm. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But his name's going to get floated. Uh, the, the really interesting name for me is Lane Kiffin. It's because, not going to happen. <laughs> because I, that's one right there where for the, for the early career issues Lane Kiffin had when he was – he was that supposed to be Sean McVay way back then, but he wasn't. He wasn't ready. Um, he had the last name from his dad, who was a successful coach. He wasn't ready, and we know that. But now he's done really well everywhere he's been ever since he was the Bama OC. Um, and he's starting to recruit well, too, which was always a knock on him, maybe the question about recruiting. Starting to recruit well. He's got a lot of talent at Ole Miss. Um, what he's been able to do for Corral, the fact that Spencer Rattler is probably going to go into the transfer portal and the odds on favorite uh, is Ole Miss. It's starting to show you that Lane Kiffin start, is starting to have that draw now, kind of like a Lincoln Riley, where mm-hmm. you're a quarterback who wants to win a Heisman and be drafted high. You're starting to look at Lane Kiffin's team. So it's a, it's you know, certain coaches, it would be a lateral move. Uh, uh, one name that I heard as well, Kirby Smart, if only if Georgia were to win the national title this year, just because he seems like somebody who would want to finish what he started at Georgia and wouldn't leave until he wins. And just because they could throw a lot of money at him. Same thing with Jimbo Fisher. They could throw a lot of money at him. I think from Texas A&M to LSU and from Georgia to LSU, that's, that's a lateral move that you make for money if you want it. But Ole Miss to LSU, that is a vertical move. And that is one where he's in a better situation. It's in one of the recruiting hotbeds. He's going to get a lot of money. And the buzz that that would generate would be off the charts. Um, Lane Kiffin's the one to watch. Another one, keep in the back of your mind, maybe Joe Brady, just because he just won the natty with them as the OC. But if, if he's going to be a head coach, I think it's going to be an NFL head coach. I don't think they're going to want to put um, – for me, it's tough to be a first-time head coach that young at a big college program like that because there's so much else that goes into it. you got to know whose hands to shake, whose babies to kiss with, when it comes to the boosters to get the money and – and recruiting and there's so much you got to worry about where 
for a young first time head coach like that, it's probably easier to be an NFL head coach where you don't have to worry about those things. Um, so I think Joe Brady gets a head coaching job next year, but not at LSU. However, whoever is in there at LSU, if it's not a good fit within a year or two and Joe Brady is doing well in the NFL, it could be a stopgap coach situation where they cast him aside and go right for Joe Brady, but it's probably going to be a big name. So the stopgap probably won't come to fruition. Kiffin's interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't think he leaves Ole Miss. I just think Ole Miss is perfect for him. Um, you know, at a school like that, you're expected to compete and expected to win, but those people are happy with beating Bama once every four years. Right. Um, you go to LSU and the game totally changes. You right. got to win nine, ten games every year. So I don't know if that's something Lane would want to do. I wrote down six names uh, that I thought maybe I could see happening. Joe Brady was one of them. You make a good point, though, about I don't think LSU would take a shot uh, on the a guy who's risk. never been a head coach. He might be good on the field, but you don't know what's going to happen off the field in terms of recruiting. Right. The only reason I threw his name in the hat is because he's just so beloved with right. what he did with that offense. James Franklin was another one. Again, he's a Pennsylvania guy, though. So he's been talked about with USC. And I just think as a Pennsylvania guy, I think Penn State's his dream job. I don't really think he leaves. Luke Fickle, just because of the job he's done at Cincinnati. Mm. And, uh, you know, really, he's the top group of five coach. He reminds me a lot of Tom Herman when he was at Houston, that sought-after guy. That didn't work and out. <laughs> did not work out. So, uh, you know, I don't think Fickle would work at LSU. I, he obviously, Ohio State's his dream job. I don't think Ryan Day is going anywhere anytime soon. So maybe he takes LSU in the meantime. We'll see. Outside guys, I said P.J. Fleck from Minnesota. You know, Fleck's been in the Midwest his whole life, and I think that kind of brand works for him. You go to the SEC where the recruiting pipeline is so different. They're not as patient with you developing guys. And, I, you know, I just love him as a coach. And uh, just the job he's done, where he's been at different schools. Mel Tucker at Michigan State was another one. You know, at Col he turned Colorado, he was only there for one year, but they played pretty well. Now you're seeing what he's doing at Michigan State in year two. So he's done a good job. And then the last one was Dave Aranda at Baylor. He was the LSU defensive coordinator on that national title team. Baylor's had a pretty good season. Um, but I think LSU wants to go offense. We're in the age of college football now where unless you're Nick Saban, unless you're Kirby Smart, unless you're just an absolute genius defensively, and you can recruit that side of the ball like crazy. We've just transitioned to the air in college football where if you're going to compete, your teams have to score 40, 45 a game. So I think they're going to go after an offensive guy. Um, Fickle would probably be at the top of my list if I had to pick a candidate. But again, I just don't know if LSU fits with him well. Kiffin's interesting. A guy like Mark Stoops at Kentucky is interesting with the job he's done. Does he want to jump up, kind of make the Mullen move? from Mississippi State to Florida. It's kind of the same stepping stone to LSU. Um, so that'd be interesting. But, I mean, this offseason is going to be fun. USC and LSU are two top ten jobs. So it, uh, it'll be interesting to see where those guys go. Yeah, it's going to be tight. And, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about Urban Meyer. That There really is. And um, <laughs> I, I don't want to go too much into it because we don't know exactly what the situation is going to be. But – the guy barely made it through week four in the NFL. I don't think he's going to make it through the entire season. Well, he'll make it through the entire season, but he won't make it through an off season. He won't make it through Black Monday, probably. Right. Uh, so if he's all of a sudden free, 
it's interesting. It's really, really interesting to see if he would go back into it like that. But it's going to be, look, LSU is, is one of the best jobs out there. So oh, yeah. uh, it, it wasn't for a while, uh, 80s, 90s, but 2000s, it was restored after Donardo and then Saban. So it's clearly been restored. It's been one of the top jobs. And um, they're, they're, I can't see them not going for a big name. Like, no offense to all the guys, you, some of the guys you mentioned, like, like a Tucker and a Fleck. I just, they're not big enough gets, I think, for LSU and the LSU brand. So it's going to be really, might be a long wait because they're probably going to parse through some guys and wait for bowl season to end. And uh, because just because so many of the guys they might be looking at might be playing into January in the NFL, or they might be playing uh, into January with, with the, the New Year's bowl games in college football. So it might be a while seasonal end for LSU. Well, they might make a bowl game. Um, so the season, but it won't be a great bowl game. So their season will probably end mid December, uh, late December with one of those early bowl games. Yeah. So they're going to be waiting for a few weeks, I think. Um, all right. From college to the pros, NFL slate, honestly, kind of weak. This week. Terrible slate. There are, uh, I mean, there are three games this week with double digit favorites. Six teams are all by. So that's three less games that we've had. The best game on the docket is Ravens Bengals, which is a good game, but yeah. it really shouldn't be a high, you know, a headliner on a schedule. I guess Tennessee, Kansas City probably might yeah. be, might be the best game. Um, Look, everybody in Survivor this week is going to be taking Tampa. They're going to be taking Los Angeles, the Rams, that is. They're going to be taking Arizona, and they're going to be taking Green Bay. If you had a choice to pick one of those teams that you can see struggling, who would you take? Struggling? <laughs> can I say none of them? I don't think any of them struggle. I mean, it's the, the Cardinals are going to absolutely eviscerate that game uh, against the Texans. The Rams are going to absolutely eviscerate the Lions. Matthew Stafford has probably had this circle on his calendar. Um, I mean, Green Bay is rolling right now, and they, Washington just doesn't match up well with them going on the road now too. And Tampa had the mini bye week coming off the Thursday night game to playing Sunday the following week against the Bears team. So definitely not the Rams or the Cardinals. I could see the Bears defense getting to Tom Brady a couple times. I could see the Washington defensive front getting to Rodgers a couple times, but neither nearly enough to, to make it tight and to win. I think all four teams win by the double-digit spreads they have um, and, and are set to go. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a brutal NFL week. And we had a brutal one last week. We had three or four blowouts last week that were just god-awful. We're going to have a few this week again. Um, hopefully those are kind of out of the system here in, in week six and seven and we're back to so good football in week eight i'm with you i can't remember a week in the nfl where i looked at spreads wise and i'm like i don't like any of these games i mean i really usually there's like one or two games that i look at and i'm like oh i love that team this week or i love this team this week and me it's just it's one of those weeks i, I really don't if there's a team I had to pick, it'd maybe be Green Bay just because they have Arizona next week on mm. Thursday. One of the best Thursday night games we've ever had is going to be Green Bay at Arizona next week. So I could see maybe a little look ahead. Um, definitely a letdown spot for the Packers. I could see Washington covering the number, getting in there late with a the backdoor. But 
I'm with you. I mean, Arizona, yeah. look, J.J. Watt. Arizona's Watt, probably the easiest one. Watt and Hopkins are going to want to beat that team by 40. Yeah. Uh, like you said with Stafford, those guys are going to play well with them. Golf obviously wants to play well, too, but the problem but yeah, is Stafford is a lot more around them. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Tampa, I feel like I bet against them every week, just waiting for them to have some kind of letdown and, and hangover, and they just never do. And the Bears just don't have the offensive firepower to hang right. with them. Um, right. So I, I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I just – there are some intriguing games that have, like, short spreads, like Atlanta-Miami is a coin flip. I think Philly-Vegas is a coin flip. Carolina-New yeah, York is a coin flip. Hopefully anybody who listened to the episode last week listened to me. I said as soon as that look-ahead line comes out for Atlanta and Miami – jump on Atlanta because Atlanta's coming off of a bye and Miami's the first team in NFL history to not have a bye after London. The look ahead line came out as Atlanta plus three and now it's Atlanta minus three. So yeah. you got six free points there. If you listen to me last great week. value, great value for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. Look, college football slate this week is, is good. It's not great. Next week's great. Yeah. Same thing with the NFL uh, spread this week. Not great. Next week. I'm looking at it now. It's not not kind of great either. But we do get that Thursday night game of Arizona and Green Bay. So that will be fun. Joe, before we get to uh, best bets and trivia, the NBA season is underway. All the teams have played so far in the season. So we've gotten a chance to, uh, to watch them play. Do you have any thoughts, really? We never really went over who our preseason picks were to win the title. Um, but what she's seen, I know it's early. But uh, – are you still kind of rolling with, you know, the Lakers if you took them or the Bucks if you took them or Brooklyn? What What are your thoughts so far? I'm excited for this season because last year we thought it was open and it was open and we had a Bucks suns final. It's open again. Uh, I think we've finally reached a point now in the NBA where um, we like the super teams are kind of behind us. And even though like the Nets are still kind of one, if Kyrie ever shows up, um, the fact that Kyrie cannot be counted on, takes away from them. And because they don't really care about the regular season, um, they might not be a top seed. So they might have to go on the road in a game five and a game seven uh, against a team like the Bucks or against a team, uh, you know, like, you know, the, the, I don't know, the Celtics or something like that, just for example, like there's going to be, if there's issues for the Nets potentially. So it's not the same like we've seen in the past. It's really open um, it, in the East. I mean, You've got your top-heavy teams, and, and then you've got teams that are looking to take that step again, like the Hawks and the Knicks, who we saw last year coming at four and five. They're going to be interesting. The Hornets, with ball improving, um, they're looking to take that next step. The Wizards probably got better by losing Russell Westbrook, and and they're in the mix probably at the, the back. Their the defense the other night. I know, I know. Gave them eighty-three points. I was so proud of them. Kyle Lowry coming in too with the heat. I mean, it's, it's just so open in the Eastern yeah. conference and in the West, we know the West is always open. The West is, has always been terrific, but the East is just wide open this year. And even the West, like the Lakers, it's going to take them some time to jail. They have a lot of older dudes who are going to need to rest a lot of nights. So they're probably going to come in at like three or four, not be one of the top seeds just because again, they're going to rest a lot. So it's, it's really open all around. And um, I really want to, honestly, it's probably a cop-out answer, but I, I need to give it a week or two to see first, like, where who looks like what and, and where teams might slot in I, I genuinely have no clue right now because you go up and down the list every team almost has two guys not three you need that big three to really solidify yourself as a title winner but every team's almost got two you got Lillard and McCollum you got uh Luca and well Luca they're, they're more of a real team because Kristaps isn't really a good number two mm -hmm. um 
but you know, the Nuggets, they're going to get Murray back probably after the new year to, to go with the Okich. And we saw what they did even without Murray last year uh, with Gordon. And, and then you get the jazz with, with uh, Mitchell and, and Gobert and the Warriors are getting clay back around Christmas. So you go up and down the West and everybody's got two guys, at least the Clippers um, don't know when they're getting Kawhi back. They still have a good team overall with Paul George, the Lakers, are the Lakers. So it's, it's, it's open all around. Agree with everything you said. Um, I think the West is extremely intriguing. Um, like you said, because there's just so many teams right now who have stars that are sitting out that are going to come back. Golden State is Clay, Clippers have Kawhi, the Nuggets have Murray. So all exactly. those teams are going to get better over time. They're going to improve. The Lakers, they're going to get better over time once Westbrook gets into the shuffle. Phoenix is going to be right there again. Utah is going to be right there again. You have about six teams that you could state your case for to make the finals. And I would say, I can see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I think the Warriors are the most dangerous team just because yes. they've been out of the playoffs the last couple of years. They're well-rested. Now they have all these fresh guys, Wiseman and Kamingo when they come back. Obviously, Clay when he comes back. You hope Clay won't be what he was when he comes back, but you hope he's 85% there, 80% right. there. Um, because, you know, he, he was one of the better players, one of the top 15 players in the league. And then on the East, um, like you said, I think a lot of people think it's just Milwaukee and Brooklyn. But teams, like you said, Philly, Atlanta, Miami, I think those teams are a lot Boston closer. Too. I mean, Boston, realize- Jason Tatum's a bona fide superstar. So, I mean, like, you start going through all those teams. All right, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, Atlanta, even the Knicks, the Sixers depending on trading Ben Simmons, those teams probably all make it. So anybody's guess at the seeding order, I have no clue. I would have no idea where to begin trying to seed those teams. If you told me that the the Sixers would be one, the Bucks two, the Heat three, the Nets four, I'd buy it because you don't know exactly who's going to rest and when and injuries. Um, I'd say you're pretty secure on picking those six to make it. Even the Bulls look good. The Bulls have more firepower than people realize. And I think they sneak in there and they could be this year's Knicks where nobody was really talking about them and, and they have talent and they could be a five, six, seven seed. So um, I could give you the eight teams, the eight, nine teams. And and don't forget we have the play in still. So uh, I could give you those teams, but anybody's guess on on the order it comes in. And and again, the same goes for the West. It is going to be a genuinely fun regular season for a league where the regular season was probably its worst product. The playoffs. Great. The offseason with the Woj Bombs, great. The regular season is the NBA's weakest link. Uh, and I don't think you can say that this year. It's going to be special. It's going to be a lot of fun. I agree. And we got 10, 10 more games tonight in the NBA. So, obviously, uh, the more games we'll see, the more that we will learn about these teams. I'm with you, though. It's just it's good that the NBA kind of has parity back. You know, when right. the Warriors had that dynasty, when LeBron was on Cleveland, you, you kind of just knew what the outcome would be. This year, though, you really you don't know. Um, it, probably, it probably still ends up chalky in terms of the conference finals, where you're probably going to get, um, you know, Lakers Warriors once Clay is back, or, or Lakers Suns. Like you're probably going to get chalk in the in the playoffs in the in the conference finals, I should say. And in the East, it's it's probably going to come down to Milwaukee Brooklyn again. But again, that's only if the bracket sets up that way, because like we just said you could see any of those teams falling anywhere on the seating chart. So it's not necessarily going to be a foregone conclusion that it's going to be those teams first and second seed. So they won't play each other until the conference final. So you could have like last year, Brooklyn and Milwaukee meeting in the second round instead of in the conference final. So 
Uh, it's going to be really tight. I probably pick Milwaukee to repeat. I genuinely think there's something special about that team. And, and I think they kind of heard the noise in the off season and even in the playoffs last year that every team they went up against during the playoff run last year had a player missing due to injury. Um, but they're still constructed the same way. They're still strong all around and Giannis is just getting better and better. So I, I think Giannis could win MVP again this year. Uh, and I think they, they have, they got the weight off their shoulders of winning one. They have the taste for it. And I could very well see him winning a second this year. They could. Uh, yeah. The Bucs, the Bucs are a good team. Miami killed them last night, which is, which was shocking. So uh, yeah, NBA will be fun to watch. That's just getting going. Joe, it's best bets time now and trivia. We are neck and neck in both of them. In trivia, you're up by 125-24. In best bets, you are 20 and 15 on the season. I'm 19 and 16. You have 61 points. I have 57. So pretty good. I mean, you're five games over 500 in best bets. Um, three games. So pretty good stuff. Um, we'll do some we'll do some uh, best bets first as we always do. So Joe, what is your, uh, your number five best bet? All right. Coming in at number five and whenever I'm picking one of my teams, I'll put it at number five, just in case my heart is clouding my mind, but Maryland coming off of a bye, going up against a, a Minnesota team that I don't think is anything special. And Maryland has always had pretty good success the last few years against Minnesota. Um, Maryland's plus four and a half. I could see Maryland losing, but it's going to be a tight game. And again, coming off the bye week, uh, I think it came at a good time. There's, this is the stage of the year where I think we start to see some overreactions based on recent performances rather than the whole big picture influencing spreads. Um, Minnesota has, has struck together a couple of decent performances. Maryland is coming off of two just ass whippings, but it came, think about who it came against. It was home against Iowa. It was at Ohio state teams that are number weren't just number two in the country. And now number five, I guess Ohio state is in the country. So, um, Think of the opponent. Yes, Maryland is coming off two embarrassing games. They also played two of the top five teams in the country in doing so. And they had a bye week, and now they come out against a, an average Minnesota team. So I think they, I think Maryland wins outright, but I'll take the four and a half for my number five pick. All right. My number five pick uh, is the Philadelphia Eagles plus three this week against Las Vegas. Philly, obviously, coming off a home loss. They played on Thursday against Tampa. So I like that they've had the extra couple days to prepare against Vegas and Joe emotionally right now. I just, I don't, I don't know where Vegas is at that bears loss. Obviously all the Gruden stuff was hanging over on them. I liked them to win outright against Denver. They played well, they played for each other, but now you come home and I'm interested is Vegas is the mindset. Oh, we won against Denver. We're good. Now the Gruden stuff has passed us. Or are they cocky with it? Are they like, you know what, we're, we're good. We don't need to rein it in. We're, you know, while Philly's trying to come in here. And Vegas has struggled at home this season. They were two overtime wins against Miami and Baltimore that they easily could have lost. They lost to the Bears. Vegas, we know, is full of distractions. So Philly, I think, is in a good spot here, plus three. I like the extra rest that they've had. And uh, I think they probably win the game outright. But the fact that it's plus three and you can push, I like the Eagles. Like it. Uh, I'm sticking with college for my fourth pick and my number three pick then, but uh, number four, first Purdue plus three and a half. Um, Wisconsin is not running away from anybody with their offense. So even if, even if Vegas has this peg correctly and the public has this peg correctly, where Wisconsin is a better team and wins, which I just don't see. Um, maybe it is a hangover spot. Sure. For Purdue. 
But again, we've seen from Wisconsin time and again, they're not good. They're just not a good football team this year. Um, or even if they do win, I can't see it by being by more than a field goal. So if you're giving me Purdue at home plus three and a half, I'll take the three and a half for a team that, again, I think wins outright. But if they lose just by virtue of the fact that Wisconsin cannot score, um, if they win, do you see it being anything more than 17-14 Wisconsin, 20-17 Wisconsin? Just can't see it because they don't score enough. So give me the three and a half. My number four, I like Bama minus 25 against Mm -hmm. Tennessee. I think you got to lay the big number. Tennessee, there was so much excitement and hope around them going into that game against Ole Miss last week to lose it the way they did with the way that game ended with fans throwing the all the crap onto the field. With Hayden Hooker, their quarterback getting hurt, he's day-to-day, might not play. I think Joe Milton's going to play in this game, and if he does, oof, it's going to get ugly. Tennessee's offense with Heifel, they like to go fast. And if their offense isn't clicking, if they have quick three and outs, their defense is going to be on the field a long time against Bama. And, you know, Tennessee, again, they put so much emotionally in that Ole Miss game. You lose that, and they got to go on the road. you got to play Bama. And Bama knows they got to win out. Saban's going to make sure they're focused. He wants them playing their best ball going into the bye with LSU coming out on the other side in a couple weeks. So I, I'd, I'd lay the 25 with Bama. I just – Tennessee's offense without Hooker I think is really going to struggle. And, you know, Bama I think will, will probably score in the mid-40s against them. I don't think Tennessee gets into the twenties with Milton. So I'd lay the 25 with Bama. All right. Uh, my third sticking with college last two are going to be NFL. Uh, another one of those, like we said earlier, those, those ranked teams that are dogs, Oklahoma mm-hmm. state plus seven and a half. Um, I touched on it earlier. Don't have to go into the detail again. Could they lose? Yes. Do I think they'll lose? Yes. But I, I don't see them losing by more than a touchdown. Um, the way their defense plays and, and Iowa state, same thing. They're, they're a tough, they're, Iowa State is one of the most NFL-like college teams in college, if that makes sense. And that's the reason why Matt Campbell is is perceived to be an NFL head coach in the very near future. Um, and, and I think they play this tight. I think Oklahoma State plays it tight. Again, it's probably a lower-scoring Big 12 game than we're accustomed to seeing. It's probably somewhere – I probably go maybe 27-24 Iowa State. Um, but, again, the, the chances of Oklahoma State themselves winning outright – are much greater than the chances I think of Oklahoma state losing by more than a touchdown. So uh, pretty confidently putting them at, at number three at plus seven and a half. I feel good about all three of my top three picks this week and could have argued to pick any of them. Number one, that's how confident I feel about Oklahoma state, but they come in at three just because I like the other two so much more. So hmm. um, my number three is Clemson plus three and a half against. Mm. I thought about that one. So the reason I love this game, I thought about Bama the last time they were underdogs, and it was maybe six, seven years ago against Georgia. They were three-point underdogs in Athens. They won by 30. And I can just see Clemson right now. All these years under Dabo that they've been favored in these ACC games, everybody thinks they suck. Their offense is a train wreck. Pitt is scoring like 45 points a game, and I can just see – I can just see it right now in Clemson this week, just all the bullet board material with Dabo and these players. And I get if Clemson wasn't on the jersey and Pitt wasn't on these jersey and you looked at the team's face value, Pitt's better and they deserve to be favored. And I get that. But there's still an emotional hurdle when you see Clemson on the other side and you know that's the team that you got to get through. The fact I'm getting that hook with Clemson at plus three and a half Look, their defense is still elite. That's not the issue. It's been the offense that's been terrible. So I think Clemson's defense keeps them in the game. I think DJ, 
you know, maybe has a better week this week. I think a fired up, motivated, underdog-minded Clemson team, I think they have a good shot at winning this game, but I do like them plus three and a half. All right, number two, laying a big number like you were for Bama. Rams minus 16 and a half at home. Uh, once it got under 17, felt good about it. Um, give, if, if the hook were the other way, maybe not, but 16 and a half, I feel like it's a key, comfortable number. I mean, they just beat the Giants by whatever they beat them by. It was a lot, and I, they're, they're a team that has shown a couple blowouts this year. They can't be slowed down. The Lions just got blown out by the Bengals. Um, Matthew Stafford wants to run it up. They're home. It's going to be – oh, actually, look at that. Oklahoma State just extended Mike Gundy, so he's got that in his back pocket going into that game yeah. uh, against Iowa State as well. So uh, breaking news here apparently on, on Glass of Joe now too. Thank there you go. To the Bleacher Report push Joe alert. Joe Schefter, <laughs> giving it to you. <laughs> um, no, credit to Bleacher Report for the push notification. Oh, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a blowout. I mean, all, all these games are going to be blowouts. One of my favorite plays overall of the weekend – is getting a six and a half point teaser on, on those three big favorites of, of the Bucks, uh, the the Cardinals and the Rams. But uh, give me sixteen and a half at the Rams. Boy, the money line parlay is going to be flying with those <laughs> three teams this week. Yeah. Oh. See, money, money line, it's not enough value, but no, you take them down to with the tees down to to all of them. Well, it would take the Bucks to under a touchdown. It would take the Rams to ten. It would take the Cardinals to ten or eleven. So. That you still it's still riskier, obviously, than Moneyline Parlay, but still better value, and I think that's the way to go this week. My number two, my favorite NFL play this week is the Giants plus three at home against Carolina. Yeah. And the reason I like it, you know, I think about the Panthers. They got off to that 3-0 and start, but I'm thinking to myself, who have they beaten this year? They beat the Jets at home. They beat the Saints with, when you remember, they had all those COVID issues with their coaching staff, so it really wasn't a good week for the Saints. And then they beat Houston with Davis Mills' first start. So Carolina really hasn't beaten anybody. They've already lost to the NFC East twice. They lost to Dallas, and they lost to Philly at home. I know the Giants are a terrible home team, and they really have not played well. They're 1-5 this season. They've been in some games that they could have won. But I just like the home team getting points at home. I can see this being the kind of defensive struggle game where Sam Darnold maybe throws a couple picks to give the Giants good field position. They play well. Um, I just like the underdog in this spot. I think it'll be a close coin flip kind of game. Uh, so, again, because I'm getting the plus three, I like I like the Giants at home against the Panthers. All right, number one for me, uh, the game of the week in the NFL, uh, Chiefs-Titans. The total is 57.5. Both defenses suck. Both <laughs> offenses are great. I'm taking the under, PJ. Oh, baby. <laughs> There's the swerve for you. I'm going under. You got me. Um, I think the – the way that we could see this going um, is Tennessee trying with Derrick Henry to bleed the clock and keep Mahomes off the field as much as possible. Um, I think we could also see uh, the Chiefs relying more so on – on. I've seen the Titans this year when they played and lost to the Jets. The Titans struggle really a lot with the short intermediate passing defense. So I could see with the likes of Hardman, Hill, Kelsey, a lot of those kind of sh- – like death by a thousand paper cuts of the chiefs rather than trying to take the top off the Titans this week. So I could see longer drives than you expect. I could see a lot more time of possession than people expect. And again, mostly on the Titans side with, with just try to run Henry through what is a sieve of a front line defensively. Uh, it's going to chew up a lot more clock than people realize. And that's a big number and the public's on it because both defenses suck and both offenses are great. So I like under 57 and a half in that game as the number one play. I like it. 
My number one, I gave it a tease. We were talking about the unranked teams versus the ranked teams. My favorite play of the week is Oregon Moneyline against UCLA. We talked about it. We think Oregon's going to lose again, but it's not going to be in a game like this. It's not going to be in a high-profile game when game day's there and they're an underdog. It's going to be when they're a favorite, maybe at home, maybe on the road during a weekday. But I, I like Oregon in this spot. We already see what they did earlier in this season as an underdog going to Columbus and beating Ohio State. This is a game that they circled. They know that if they want to get to the Pac-12 championship, this is a game that they have to win against UCLA. I expect a good effort from Oregon. They've had trouble covering spreads as favorites, but in the underdog role, they have been pretty good against Mario Cristobal. So I like the Ducks. It's plus one. Just take them on the money line to beat UCLA. should be a great game. It'll be close, but I like the Ducks to win it. Like it. Those are our five bets. All right, Joe, trivia time. You are up by one. Really like my question for you this week. You go first then because I don't really love my question for you. It's kind of a softball, but there's a reason for it. Gotcha. I think think you're going to enjoy it. So, look, we talked about the sports equinox. We got everything going on. Before we know it, college basketball is only two, two and a half weeks away. So the AP poll in college basketball came out this week with their top 25. There are eight teams right now that are top 25 in the college basketball AP poll and in the college football AP poll. So I need you to give me the six teams, just six of eight teams. There are eight. I need you to give me six top of the schools that are top 25 in both football and basketball. Six of the eight top 25 in both. You got it. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Michigan. Michigan is one. Yeah, They actually might be the same number in both. Are they six? I think they're both? a little higher in basketball, but oh, okay. it's, it's around their gotcha. top 10 in both. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I remember seeing the top 25 this week. Per, oh, Purdue. Purdue is right next to Michigan. Purdue is stuck in the back Purdue 25. Is in there. That is correct. Um, is Baylor ranked at football right now? They won last week. Baylor? Baylor is three. That is correct. Okay. okay. Kentucky is not ranked after the Georgia loss, I don't think circle back to them um got 50 seconds left oregon oregon that is correct and bama. Four. bama correct I see, pillow, I see the pillow over your shoulder and it and it got my memory there you need one more uh it's gotta be a big 10 team there's plenty of big 10 teams that sparty maybe um no sparty's gonna have a down year this year i don't think it's gonna be michigan state uh oh ohio state ohio state well done <laughs> You got it. I didn't know if I should go six or seven. Well done. Kentucky was the other one. They're still ranked in football. The one I didn't know if you would get was Auburn. Auburn oh, ranked in basketball wow. and football. That was the tough one, but well done. You got the other six. You mentioned Kentucky, so you were all over it. So, Joe, you now are 26 in trivia. All right. All right. Um, like I said, I love my question. It's like I feel like whenever we – whenever I go to an awards question, um, like I feel like you get it but uh it's 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 also on the line of getting into the college basketball mode um i just want five of the last seven naismith winners Oy. all right god player of the year is tough so i'm trying to think is brunson one of the last seven brunson 2018 okay um zion zion is 2019 who won it last year was it kisper or was it Butler. Uh, ooh. Was it Kispert? Not Kispert. Mm. 
Okay. Um, let's see. Who's won the national title? It's got to be another Villanova. 2018 Brunson. 2016. Uh, North Carolina. Frank Mason's he up there? Frank Mason, 2017. Okay. You're good uh, 2017, 18, and 19, but uh, the last two you haven't gotten. The last two? Oh, last two. So Virginia, was it like Kyle Guy? Remember, I said five of the last seven, so the time frame is 2015, right. 21. And you was got seven. last year. Was it Jared Butler last year? It was not, strike two. Son of a gun. I can't believe you didn't get Oh, it was Garza. Yeah, it was Garza. Garza, Garza. I was thinking of the one seed. Yeah, okay. you got 20 seconds left, one strike, and one more to get. Oof. Kentucky, Kentucky. It's got to be somebody off Kentucky. Maybe not seconds. Kansas. Um, I'll just go with – At the buzzer. I'll go, with, I'll go with Malik Monk. It's not him. Not Malik Monk. Okay. Uh, so 2015 was Frank Kaminsky. 2016 was Buddy Heald. Mm. You, you got Mason in 17, Brunson in 18, Zion in 19. Obi Toppin was 2020, the forgotten Obi. year. Forgotten year. They were going to be a one seed. He was terrific. And then Garza last year. Yeah, Obi and Buddy, I would not have gotten. Um, and then Kaminsky. Yeah, just wasn't yeah, thinking I, like I that. Thought, that was good. I thought you would get. Kaminsky actually but maybe he was too far back and I thought you'd get Brunson Zion and Garza so the question for me was would you have been able to pull Buddy Mason or Obi and you actually did get Mason, Frank Mason for whatever reason I just remember one Mason yeah. I don't know yeah, yeah. Naismith's a tough one because I thought Kispert had won it and then once Garza popped in my head I'm like oh yeah he he probably won it yeah so Good one. All right. Well done. You're up 26. Basketball is close, PJ. That is remarkable. So freaking high. <laughs> oh, I'm so high. Uh, <laughs> so ready. That's good. All right, Joe. So you think uh, Red Sox force the game seven tonight? I'm hoping they do for the entertainment value. I think they do. I think the Dodgers do. And like I said earlier, I think the Dodgers win it. And I think the Astros win it. And we get the World Series that a lot of people want. By the way, I don't know if we had been on here since the Giants Dodgers game five, but that was that was baseball at its best. Yeah, but I mean, the like, call look, it, at the end of the game was horrendous. Right, but, like for uh, me, for me, that one wasn't as bad as the uh, non-strikeout call for Evaldi. Um, I mean that that tilted the whole game, and it was right. The other one, all right, like I could see how it's a tough one to call. It was a terrible call, but also how much of an outcome would it have had you just you hate to take no, the i get that yeah yeah but wilmer flora as much as i love him being a former met and being one of the fan favorites the guy was over 17 lifetime against max scherzer and he would have been instead of in an 0-2 hole he would have been in a 1-2 hole so probably was striking out on the very next pitch anyway and he wasn't going to change the outcome of that game no. so I, it's it's right to be pissed that we were robbed of having that moment of a true strikeout or something heroic happening so we were robbed of that, but the outcome wasn't changing. The outcome did change on the on the non-strikeout call uh, with the Evaldi and was it Laz Diaz behind the plate? So brutal. Not good. Not good. Not well, a great season for MLB umpires. Not a great whole year for MLB umpires. They've been terrible all year long. That, that is true. That they have. Um, all right. Well, that's Joe. I'm PJ. Thanks for listening. Episode 63.
four. We got 65 coming next week. We will see you then.